The views expressed on the following program of those of its hosts and participants in no way reflect those of the staff or management of WNRI. Authors Hour. Get the story behind the story. It's all on the Authors Hour. You'll get to hear the authors talking about their books and the journey behind how it all began. Join the opportunity to hear the insights on what inspired them to write it. Now, here is your host, Wayne G. Barber. Good morning, America. It's Tuesday morning, 9.05, and you are on W1RI.com with the Authors Hour. Uh, second year on the air with this show, and we're going to mix it up today. We're going to start off the show with one of the most renowned authors in the United States. He's on the phone right now calling in live from New York, and uh, I'm going to change this around. Instead of starting off with three or four commercials, I'm going to get right to this gentleman because I got a feeling he's got a very busy schedule. And on the line right now, we have James B. Nicola. From 484 West 43rd Street or 143? Is that 43 or 143? 143, 40, what do you mean? One, oh, 43rd Street. 43rd right Street. Square. Okay. 43rd Street. Right, right, above the Lincoln, Square. right above the Lincoln Tunnel is where I live. <laughs> okay, some of the works that you have out there right now, Out of Nothing, Wind right. in the Cave, I guess is your latest one you have out there now? Uh, out of Nothing actually came out came out later. So that's the latest one is Out of Nothing, Poems of Art and Artists. And Wind in the Cave was right before that. They came almost at the same time. I was working on them both at the same time, two different publishers. Now, I had the pleasure of meeting you at the Cumberland Expo a couple of years ago. I noticed you right. weren't there this year because I didn't fit into your schedule. But you also had an occasion, you did a performance right here at the Woonsocket Museum, Work of Culture. How did that work out? Oh, that was wonderful. Yeah, there's quite a fabulous, you know, Woonsocket's right in the middle of a whole bunch of literary people, and there's a whole bunch of literary people right in town, so it was wonderful. We got some poets out and had an open mic, and it was a great time had by all. Okay, so you got that town, Pat, where you've made that acquaintance here with uh, Woonsocket residents, you know, from this area here in northern Rhode Island. Uh, also, right. you're very good friends with uh, Lenore Renault. Absolutely, yes. Yes, I've been on her television show a few times, and we've been to each other's house, and she's been to my house in New York, in New York and <laughs> and taken the terrace. I have a terrace overlooking the Lincoln Tunnel, so from about May to October, one can actually sleep out there, and so I have an extra bedroom. <laughs> she's done a fantastic job for us with the lively literati. She had the real... Uh, Drop down from that because she's got so many things going on her plate right now. But we've replaced that with a, another fantastic person on that. And uh, let me see. Jay Walker is going to be there. That would be uh, Thursday, March 28th. And uh, director DeMont Combs, who's quite an entertainer and a poet himself. Let's get into poetry in uh, New England, the world, the state of it. Uh, the two years that I've been on the air, I've tried to educate myself a lot on poetry. And it looks like it boils down to up until about 1920, 1922, when radio really started filling every parlor in the country or farmhouse for that entertainment. Uh, prior to that, local historians, poets, writers would provide the entertainment. 
uh, there would be one family member or a cousin that would come in, and on Saturdays and Sundays they would do readings. Is that correct? Am I uh, guess on that? Well, in the old days, you used to, even in the little one-room schoolhouse in America, everybody used to recite some. It was not only show and tell, but reciting. Every kid learned to recite some Shakespeare. Somebody sent me an email to an article about this because the educators believed uh, they thought it was good for democracy. So that was really tied with that New England sense of everybody needs to have the skills to be able to talk in front of a town meeting, run for elected office, inspire a group. That's really what made the first politicians in Rome, the patricians, started by speaking on the street corner. So the leaders of the republic there, the alleged democracy in Athens, were the ones who could speak well. So because, and then also you notice with the rise of the middle class in the 19th century, you had parlor uh, events with like piano playing an art song and popular song had already started for a few decades so that it went from um with the age of ragtime what you were playing in the parlor moved from art song kind of sappy sentimental stuff uh, the american art song to ragtime and jazzier stuff and pop songs and fun songs so you might have a salon or performances in your house with somebody playing and singing and or somebody playing the accordion when i was young in the 60s visiting my cousins we did this all the time visiting them in in michigan one played the accordion uh one danced one uh, we all just did and i played the piano as a kid and and um and if you ever um saw the anne of green gables uh, uh series on the uh, avonlea station or you, you you know that anne of green gables in the 1890s got up in front of everybody to recite a, a shelley poem ozymandias or ozymandias we also a very famous poem. we also read right, and everybody knew and everybody knew trees, for example, the poem Trees, everybody knew yeah. that, you know, etc. And so um, today there's not much show and tell. And what, ha what I think, I fear what's happened in education for the last 25, 30 years, there's very little show and tell. There's very little memorization of literature to try to get it in you, even though it might be good for you to become a writer or good for you to be to have a close relationship to the text, it's not testable. In other words, a lot of education has moved from speaking or listening um, or, or even from writing to filling in dots on an exam because of these standardized tests. So we're only getting a very small portion of what education used to be in our education system. So, and, and I, somebody, somebody asked me once, I think that's part of the rise to why slam poetry is getting so big. It's a whole lot of kids that people, young people that didn't get up in front of the class every day. We used to get up in first to sixth grade all the time, do show and tell, or put on shows for the school or the neighborhood. A lot of young people don't get that today. And no. that's such an important aspect to democracy. And particularly in New England, we, we, where the democracy was born and where town meetings are still important and everyone, it's a particular participatory democracy in New England more than any other place in America. Our friends of mine, they come from elsewhere and notice it when they come. They come to a town meeting and they go, my God, you guys run everything. And they're surprised. You know, that, you know, now, we interviewed another uh, New York author yeah. here, and they wrote a book on the Bowery in New York. And uh, the poetry and the entertainment part of it was a fundamental part of that history of New York also. Right, absolutely. And particular. oh, we were so lucky, the rise of musical theater, too, in that particular neighborhood, the Bowery, is where yeah. a lot of the Yiddish theater started. Um, but our own music halls and our own, long before Broadway, we already had our performing tradition starting. And we got such a wonderful influx of people from all sorts of countries 
that that contributed to what musical theater became. Now, James, are you the first poet in your family, or do you come from a long line of writers? I'm the first one, it looks like, yeah. And my my dad played the piano, and that's about it for the arts. Um, I'm the first one. I was a stage director for for decades, and I have a music degree, so I was a pianist. I'm a pianist and composer also, although I don't perform piano anymore, but I did for years. Who uh, who were some of the poets that inspired you at a young age? Um, well, uh, the young age for me is only, it starts about 15 or 19 years ago when I started doing poetry every day. So I love Robert Frost. I love William Butler Yeats. I love Robert Francis, who's from Amherst, same place as, uh, uh Emily Dickinson. I love E.E. E. Cummings and the, the top of them all, Emily Dickinson. But, um, what, really sort of made my relationship to words close was that I directed about a third of the Shakespeare plays and with semi-professional companies. So I, the, the way to make that text clear on one delivery, one performance, the actor has to make everything he's saying clear to the audience. That's what got me really, really close to what language can do. And the other one is Thomas Hardy, who showed me what literature was. Uh, and my favorite poem is still one of his, no less his novels, show, the poetic writing in his novels. And Melville, the poetic writing even in Moby Dick. I remember in high school in Holden, Massachusetts, I, I was sick that we, we started with Moby Dick, so I cliff, note, I cliff noted it, you know, to catch up. And then 20 years later, uh, 21 years, 97, somebody lent me their Moby Dick, and I couldn't believe how good it was. But it's such wonderful, wonderful words that stop you and make you want to read them again to get everything and just just what what authors. So James, those I got, are just a few. James, I got an email here from uh, Richard, and it's from Wellfleet, Massachusetts, down on Cape Cod. And he wants to know, uh, he's starting out writing poetry, The Pitch. There's so many publishers out there, self-publishing options. Would you recommend somebody as a first-time poet to try to concentrate on publishers that specialize in poetry or, you know, some other avenue? Yeah, um, I, because I'm self-educated as a poet, I didn't get a graduate degree in creative writing, but I went to school in the time when we had writing in every class, so, you know, I got I got a lot. I, I did not want to go the, the self-publishing route, so I have four po- poetry books out and two coming out, all from some other publisher. So I needed to set for, as far as getting books are concerned, but what, he, this, what Richard should do is start getting things published in journals, get poems published, because if, a, if you want another publisher to look at it, they're going to want a good quarter to a third of the poems in your collection, if not a half, to be already published in literary journals. And those are sort of easy to find online. Just look poetry publishers and start you know, reading them to get to know their personality. Um, or get the Poets Market or Writer's Market book at your reference section of your library and flip through that. That gives you an idea and read to, uh, of, 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 of a journal, literary journal that might be appropriate to your style or your vision or that's right that you, you think your poetry would feel at home. So it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt to self-publish a volume at all, but it doesn't necessarily um, get get count for things like grant applications or things like that. So, um, so publish a poetry book of your own if you want to do poetry events and have it to sell 
at those events or to your friends, but I wanted to get reviews and, uh, you know, as it were, a national reputation, so I realized I needed the imprimatur and the endorsement of a different publisher. So it depends on your goals. If you're starting out, go to every mic, every open mic you can go to to perform stuff and stand out uh, 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 one submission a day. Even, um, um, uh, um, Bukowski, Charles Bukowski sent out a submission a day to journals and, and stuff. He, even though, you know, he wrote all this barfly drunken poetry, he sent out a submission a day. Now, I've noticed you have here. such a heavy schedule with classes and seminars. What are some of the most uh, frequent asked questions when you're putting on classes or seminars from young people? What are some of the questions they hit you with? Well, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm, Doing in Lancaster, Massachusetts, on April twentieth, will be a workshop not on writing but on performing. So when I go to workshops and I um, perform my own material, people ask, "How do you do that?" Because apparently I'm a rather compelling performer of my own work. Well, it comes from a theater background and writing this book called "Playing the Audience: The Practical Actor's Guide to Live Performance." So I've adapted a lot of those techniques for performance poets or for other authors that want to perform their own work. So my best recommendation is remember the audience. And you don't necessarily want to overact or overdo it, but bring somebody through a journey um, with your poem, beginning, middle, and end, and have a specific person in mind, even if you don't necessarily call them you in the poem. Um, as far as uh, questions I'm asked, the workshops and the seminars I do are not always... Uh, the kind that uh, to say how do you write everybody has their own process and what we do is we look at the material and give feedback on the things they've um, presented but it's not how do you start um, what, but I'm most surprised and what, when I have conversations with young people though is so many young people think they need a prompt and when I um, that is they need a writing class that says okay uh, write this and somebody gives them assignment to write something and I'll say well why do you need that Aren't you going to be a writer? Yeah. Well, what do you care about? And they've never been asked, what do you care about? So when I give a writing exercise, I take a tip from a friend of mine who gives these workshops, a brilliant uh, poet in Colorado, who says, try to think of something that's up with you today or this week. Up meaning that, that you care about, that's either irked you or that's tickled you or made you happy or smile or angry. You don't have to talk about that in the thing you're about to write, but keep it in the back of your mind and see if that informs because the most important part of the writing is caring, and you never learn that in, in school. You know, write about something you care about. And that wasn't until my senior year of college that I realized even writing academic papers, you can care about what you're doing a paper. It's not just an assignment. Try to read the piece or look at the piece of art or whatever you're going to do. Try to see if you can get to the point where you care about it. Otherwise, it's work. But once you care about it, boy, you can't stop yourself. And that's is the difference. poetry in the publishing business a growth industry right now? Or is it put on the lower shelf in the bookstores, in libraries as a non-priority? Yeah, no, it's amazing. There's been a huge growth of it, but that's because of all the small presses um, and all the self-publishing. There's a, a zillions more poetry books per year being published. Um, so there's great more opportunities to get your book published. Thousands. Um, I, I, I had a book published two books published by one of the biggest publishers that has uh, 25 titles per half year, so 50, roughly 50 a year they put out. And then another publisher uh, does almost 
that does almost that. The publishers that I'm getting now do many, much fewer and give each one more weight. So uh, there might be less uh, poetry published by the huge publishers, Random House and Knopf and whatnot. They'll use the Pulitzer Prize winning poet with with great eclat to, to publish. So it's harder to start there, but there's a lot more opportunity to get something published. But um, because, of, because of that and so many creative writing programs, you're competing against a huge field uh, to try to get your stuff noticed. Would you advise to uh, contact your local libraries for local writing groups in your area or poetry oh, groups? Absolutely, and indeed, I go to several in Massachusetts and uh, New England and Rhode Island. Um, the Rhode Island ones are performance groups down in Westerly, uh, uh, and uh, and I go to po uh, poetry workshops in, at libraries when I can. You know, they meet about twice a month, so it's good. my trips visiting family have to be about right. But I go once or twice a year in, in uh, Middlesex and in Worcester County. Um, I, I go to writing workshops whenever I can to have people look at my poetry and give me feedback. Um, and if you don't have one in your hometown, start one is what I recommend. Or in the neighboring town. So look, if you're in Woonsocket, look at Cumberland and look at Smithfield and, you know, look at driving distance to, to start one. You can find where the best... Think outside uh, the box a little bit, yeah. Think a little bit of outside the box. And yes, go right to your local library. A lot of places are ecstatic to um, fill events. Even my local branch, New York City Midtown Health Kitchen Library, we have a writer's circle now that just started two years. It came out of a workshop. But Saturday afternoon, the room was free. And so now uh, I, I run that twice twice a month. I'm, I moderate that. But again, it's a round table, so everyone belongs. And, I'm looking um, at your schedule. And, that was, and in New York Public Library, you think they'd be busy? Well, they're busy a lot with events, but we got a slot. We've been given a slot. So. I'm looking at your schedule, and it says on 326, you are scheduled to be at Campbell Hall. And on, I think I'm, it's 411, you're going to be at Creskill Public Library in New Jersey. Oh, right. That's right. Boy, okay. you have got yeah. one schedule on yeah. your plate. 326, I'm in the Thirsty Lab at Princeton, March 26th. That's just coming up. And even though it's northern Worcester County, because of the highway, it's not too far from Moonsocket. And yeah. Lenora's come to up there, you know, before to that neck of the woods. So it's not that far by 495 and 190. So that's the 26th is the Thirsty Lab in Princeton on Route 31 in Princeton. And, uh, and then I have a whole bunch of other events because April, of course, is, um, National Poetry Month. So, James, what is the best way for our listening audience? Uh, we're on the phone right now with James B. Nicola, one of the most renowned poets in the United States, and there are tremendous books out there and new books coming. What is the simplest way to purchase your material? Well, you can check my website, which is sites, a sites Google, a Google Sites website with my name. So just Google, uh, type in James B. Nicola and Google Sites and you'll get my website. Um, or shoot me an email, which is NicolaJamesB at Juno.com. And Nicola, there's no H. It's just N-I-C-O-L-A, NicolaJamesB at Juno.com. But the, all my titles you, are also available online at Amazon and whatnot, all, including the, uh, the nonfiction book, Playing the Audience, the theater, the theater book that is the basis of this workshop coming up in Lancaster, Mass. on April 20th. So, now, James, uh, I, be, I hate to put you on the spot. With yeah. all the writing you've done in your life, you must have five most popular ones. Could you recite maybe one over the year? I, I know it's not fair to put you on the spot because we didn't rehearse this, but maybe from memory or something, one of your books in front of you or something like that. 
We, I knew we, you. I knew you might ask that, but I but I actually did. I had my laptop on and open. <laughs> so um, this, although I actually have my books around, I don't know why I didn't put two of my books to, to read one. Now is this, this poem is going to be in one of your new books coming out? No, this is a poem from in Wind in the Cave. Okay. Uh, now Wind in Wind in the Cave is a is a, a, a book about love and loss and yearning, and so uh, this is actually. A true story, and I mostly know it by heart, but I didn't plan on it, so I'm going to just look at it online. Um, and it's the very last poem in the book, so after a whole bunch of love and loss and wit and you know love poems and oh my gosh, I ran into that person again, kind of things. That the wind in the cave refers to that <gasps> feeling in your gut <laughs> when when uh, that that the feeling like a wind in the cave. Um, this is called Weston. I turned left onto love which runs half parallel to pine, with Highland the connecting link on a morning walk of mine, and thought of those whom I have loved and those for whom I'd pined. Then I thought, I've walked the Highland, and I felt that I felt fine, because the light was low and cool and sweetened so the day, and every road, including love, had taken me this way. Fantastic. I want to thank you very, very much for being my guest on the Author's Hour. I had tossed this around the last couple of months, and I did some uh, writing and read some of my work on one of the shows when I had some no-shows of authors, and I got a tremendous amount of email responses, and I knew you would be a blockbuster guest. You're welcome to come back anytime or when you're coming through New England to announce some of your uh, seminars or uh, readings and stuff like that. Uh, we'll gladly get you one here. Thank you very much, James. Thank you, Wayne. Appreciate it. And everybody, happy poetry. Okay. And that concludes the first part of our show with James Nicola. What a fantastic uh, author, poet from the New York area. Brought to you by the Association of Rhode Island Authors. Association of Rhode Island Authors. Anyone can join the Association of Rhode Island Association of Authors. But you'll find that a published author and an aspiring author with a complete manuscript will benefit most from our membership. In addition, your membership fee helps support all Rhode Island's most talented writers. Benefits of being an ARA membership include networking with dozens of local published authors at our monthly meetings that are always held on the second Thursday of the month, presentations from industry pros on a wide array of published topics, exclusive invitations to speak and conduct your presentations at libraries and other venues, advance notice of any expos, festivals, and any other event where books are sold, a reduced table fee at the Rhode Island Authors Expo, a website link in IRA's members directory, and so much more. Check us out at www.riauthors.org. I did. We also sponsor Lively Literati, and I believe James has uh, done his opening down there also. Uh, that's the last Thursday of the month, March 28th, 6.30 p.m. at the Shasti Chi Room at 2170 Broad Street in Cranston. And uh, Jay Walker is going to be our guest and then open mic on that on that particular night 
And we have a new director, Damont Combs, who's really doing a fantastic job on that. We also have a GoFundMe page that has reached $4,455 of our $25,000 goal on the Association of Rhode Island Authors. Also, we have uh, Belu's Flowers right now. You can order up all your Easter and Mother's Day flowers right around the corner. I believe the new seeds have come in, or they should be any day, and they got another ample supply of Canadian wood pellets, 9,000 BTU per pound, and nice, clean, burning, low creosote, and still got some ice melt. Maybe we've got a couple more cold nights left. Belu's Flowers. For over 60 years at 665 Diamond Hill Road, Woonsocket, Rhode Island. Phone number 401-766-3165. Jeannie's a full-service florist and gift shop. Also stocking Inferno ice melt in the shaker size, 5-gallon and 50-pounders. Canadian hardwood pellets and stove burning supplies. Avon and fresh produce. Jeannie Biss and Ralph Bilou also stock vegetables and flowers, seeds, annuals, perennials in season and all valentine mother's day easter and fall decorations open seven days a week flowers and gifts for any budget Belo's flowers and gift shop at 665 diamond hill road one socket rhode island give her a call at 401-766-3165 and good morning you're listening to the author's hour on smoke at 99.9 fm WNRI. Also, we get a public service announcement, construction on Winter Street in Woonsocket, so expect a little delay to get around that. It's a utility work going on. Uh, transportation and limousine services today provided by CJ Trans are Fairbanks and Little General Stores. There's one in your neighborhood since 1970. Eight great franchises, local taxpayers, money orders, gift cards, chicken drumsticks on sale right now at 69 cents a pound, a pit triple M ham at 3.99 a pound, and Gorillic Farms. They have those orange juice, uh, let me see, Holstein cows over there, and they produce a half a gallon of orange juice at 2.49 a half gallon. That's a very special cow that they have at Gorelick Farms and stock at Little General Stores. There's one in your neighborhood. I had my beautiful oatmeal this morning. Now I'm getting the munchies again. I got to do a pastry commercial or a combination pastry and bookstore. Book Lovers Gourmet, your local independent bookstore, owned and operated by Debbie Horan since 1995. Another anniversary party two weeks ago up there. They're located at 55 East Main Street in Webster, Massachusetts, and they stock poetry books there also. 01570 for the GPS coordinates. She'll be opening in about 25 minutes or maybe loading into fresh coffee right now and pastries. Give her a call at 508-949-6232. A children's section, slightly red section, and powerful, powerful on Facebook and Book Lovers Gourmet on her website, bookloversgourmet.com. And uh, like her Facebook page because she updates it almost every day. She's really, really uh, social media savvy. Now, this fine establishment also uh, features Hogan Brothers Coffee Roasters, which is also available by popular demand by the pound. And also all of the pastries freshly made at the local iconic Phyllis Bakery. Biscottis, Bear Claws, Lemon Squares, so much more. Frozen hot chocolate, darker white, 
Uh, so many things going on at Book Lovers Gourmet, book signings, showings, art exhibits, uh, you name it, crafts, puzzles, you name it. Book Lovers Gourmet, beautiful little country store on East Main Street in Webster, Massachusetts. AuthorsHourBookstore.com, new and slightly read books. If you heard our author interview on our Author's Hour every Tuesday at 9 a.m., we will stock it. Call Wayne, WNRI at Yahoo.com for any locator service or a closeout book. Again, it's the new AuthorsHourBookstore.com. Harvest Moon Health Foods will be open at 10 o'clock this morning. That's where I get my honey right out of Woodstock, Connecticut. They also stock raw milk, still legal to sell in Connecticut, 300 varieties of herbal tea, uh, safe junk food, healthy junk food. You name it. That's, I get my elderberry pills there, my cranberry pills. Uh, my wife gets the uh, brown coconut sugar. And that's for people starting out with diabetics. And that's what they recommend on that. And there's so many things at Harvest Moon Health Foods on Route 21. Now, if you're traveling up Route 44 and you come to the traffic light where the new car dealers are, that's the intersection of 21 and 44. There to the left, you'll see the plaza right there. They're open seven days a week with just about everything possible that you could look for in a health food store. Harvest Moon Health Foods, Route 21, Unit 4, Colonial Plaza in Putnam, Connecticut. 860-928-2352. Healthy foods for a healthy lifestyle. Gluten-free products. Over 100 dried herbs, nuts, and seeds. Healthy snacks. Help your body to reinforce its immune response. Hemopathic and herbal allergy relief. We stock quality brand manufacturers, including Against the Grain, Rudy's, Nature's Plus, Vatlin's Organic Oils, Food for Life, and so much more. Natural honey and organic coconut sugar, raw milk. Elderberry for flu remedies. Consumer-friendly hours on Monday through Wednesday, 10 to 6 p.m., Thursday to Saturday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., and Sundays, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. HarvestMoonHealthFoods.net, Unit 4, Colonial Plaza, Putnam, Connecticut. 860-928-2352. Proud sponsor of Brian Tag and the number 9 in the late model at Thompson Speedway. Now, also, the Association of Rhode Island Authors has really got big into the anthology series. Uh, first one was Shoreline. The second one was Under the 13th Star. Last year was Selections. And uh, this year, we're open call right now for submissions to all of our members. And uh, Martha's in charge of that this year. And all the rules and guidelines are right on our website Association of Rhode Island Authors on that. I've got mine submitted, and I hope it's approved. I really, really enjoy them. We got uh, also an email, uh, matter of fact, at waynew1rightyahoo.com. Uh, during a commercial break, I was looking at it, and we had 14 positive responses to uh, our last guest on the air. I guess they know his work. A world-renowned poet-author. What a great job he did, James Nicola. Maybe it was people that he made acquaintance over the Winsocket Work and Culture. I guess he filled the house over there. Uh, we have a list right here. I got a request from uh, uh, New York, and it wants to know 
who is the best-selling authors or books in your particular area? Okay, uh, this came out from the uh, Providence Journal, and I believe it was based out of the New York Times. Uh, hardcover fiction right now, number one seller in the country, is Where the Crawdads Sing by Delilah Owens. That's on Putnam Publishers. Uh, Silent Night by one of my wife's uh, favorite, Danielle Steele, Della Quarter. A Cemetery Road by Gerg Isles, and that's uh, published by Morrow. And The Chef and uh, Patterson DeLeo is uh, co-authors on that under the Brown Publishing. Uh, for hardcover nonfiction, it's uh, Girl Stop Apologizing by Rachel Hollis, and that's published by Hoppins Collins, uh, Hopper Collins. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be getting a copy of that in the mail to read and then get Rachel on the uh, telly right here, and we'll do an interview with her. Uh, Case for Trump by Victor Davis Hansen, and uh, Outer Order, Inner Calm by Gretchen Rubin on Harmony Publishing. Just a few of the many choices out there. And we have some book signings coming up around, and I've got a deal for you on a facial, but it's not on a human. Paul Parazzi Dog Grooming. 12 Money Hill Road in Chipatchet in the Allied Auto Parts Plaza across from Citizens Bank has great dog grooming specials for you, including $5 nail clipping. Also, pet facials are a specialty. Call for an appointment, large or small dogs. Call Rihanna Ballou at 401-952-7664. Gift certificates always available at Paul Parazzi Dog Grooming. 12 Money Hill Road in Chipatchet. Now, if you're doing any shopping today down in Smithfield, at the Smithfield Commons right off Route 44, and uh, you want to get a nice, nice free gift, swing by the Harmony Kitchen on Route 44, right next to the post office, stick your head in the door, tell them that you heard it on W1RI from Wayne Barber, get yourself a free cup of coffee. Or sit down, have one of the best breakfasts around, seven days a week, served all day, starting at 7 a.m. And you'll see Julie P. there. And also, give them a call at 401-349-5661, because now they have a soup of the day at Harmony Kitchen. I've been very fortunate. I get corn chowder twice. You know, the good stuff, you put the spoon in and it stands up. And I tried the uh, beef noodle. It was fantastic, too. They also have a very special rare morning glory muffin. Mention you heard it on the out, on outdoor scene and the author's hour right here at W1RI. Beautiful little restaurant. They take uh, cards there now, too, also. Now, your next event, and boy, my calendar just gets filled up. There's no such thing as retirement. It's semi-retirement. But every time I come out, it's the same thing. You see someone kicking the tires and slamming the roof of the car because they forget their keys and a key fob in a car. Or the seatbelt got caught up in the door and the dome light stayed on and you need a surface charge to get you going. Well, you're not going to call Ghostbusters. You should be calling Larry's 24-hour towing at uh, South Main Street in Pasco because they share the same building as Moreover Motor Sales. 401-568-6286. Since 1922. They also do vehicle state inspections right there. Seven different towing vehicles to match your needs. Whether it's on the hook, a flatbed, you just bought an unregistered vehicle, car, truck, or motorcycle, and you want safe transportation to get it back to your property without getting written up for driving without 
uh, valid registration on it. Give Peter or his fine crew a call 24-7-401-568-6286. They also do expert body work and insurance estimates right on the same premises at 401-568-6286. I think we have our next guest coming on the phone. And it's going to be brought to you by Cereo's Pizza Rimmer and Restaurant. They're open today, and they've got that Tuesday special, a large cheese pizza, a full 16 slices on that nice cornmeal bread. $6 for a 16-piece large pizza. Sunday dinner for two every Sunday, $19.99. Six to ten entrees, including soda, coffee, a decaf also, and a homemade dessert. How are you going to beat those apples? At Cereal's Pizza Rama and Restaurant, give them a call for a delivery or coalition or catering, whether it's in-house or with a delivery. Jimmy Ponte will fill your plate at 401-568-7187. Now on the phone right now, we have another board member, the Association of Rhode Island Authors, and you'll know the name, and he's been on the show here live, I believe, five times since our inception. Uh, we may be promoting a new book. We may be going to an outhouse. But I know he's got a deal over at the Lost Villages of Situate. Now, the iconic area of Rhode Island is the Situate Reservoir. It's so panoramic, and it's just so nice. Well, there's a few villages at the bottom of it. Ray, how are you this morning? We're on the phone with Ray Wolf. I'm very well. We are glad to be here. This is my sixth time. Six time on the air, boy. I'm glad to have you on, too. Well, how many books you up to now? About 30, 32? Uh, 25. 25 and probably two more coming. God bless you. And I'll tell you, you started late like myself. So many of the Rhode Island authors in our group started after retirement or later in the years because we finally had the time. And then with self-publishing and digital, we come up with these ideas and it keeps us young. But you're keeping young now with these guided tours that you have in the buses that have really been the talk of Rhode Island tourism. Could you explain the program? Absolutely. Uh, the first two books I did was The Lost Villages of Situate, about the five villages they tore down uh, to build the reservoir. My mom was born in one of the villages. That's what kind of instigated me. The second one was The Situate Reservoir, about the building of the reservoir. After I did the two books, uh, someone said to me, gee, Ray, you ought to do a tour around the reservoir showing people where these things used to be. And I said, gee, that's a great idea. Then I got involved in doing another book and totally forgot about it. The following year, I had someone say it again. And I said, you know, somebody said that last year. Let me see what I can do. So, long story short, I've taken over 1,500 people. Many have taken it twice. They enjoyed it so much they wanted to do it again. It's a 90-minute tour. It leaves from Hope School in Hope, Rhode Island, the Hope Elementary School. And uh, it tours the reservoir. There's 25 points of interest along the way that I either slow the bus down or I stop the bus. If you have my books, I have you bring them with you. And I'll say, turn to page 22. What you see there used to be right over there on that foundation. I do it in April before the leaves come out, and sometimes I do it in October after the leaves fall off. So you can see the foundations as I point them out. Now, this is a family event. You highly encourage that, right? 
Absolutely, yes. I've taken kids uh, down as far as five years old, but 10, 12, 14, and up to about 92. It seems like it'd be a great event, too, for grandparents to reconnect, especially with Rhode Island roots with their grandchildren and stuff like that on a clear day. Well, and you can add so much. Parents as a gift. Yep. And you can add so much local interest to it. What are some of the unique questions you get from the uh, busload of people? Uh, when you're uh, performing doing this? Uh, yeah, are there any buildings underneath the reservoir at this time? Uh, some people have told me they can see the steeple uh, when the uh, water goes down really, really low. And uh, no, there is nothing underneath the reservoir. Uh, if you bought one of the houses, you had 30 days to tear it down and get it out of there. If it didn't sell, they burnt it down, cleaned it up, and took it out. They did not want anything under the reservoir rotting, polluting the water. So um, some of the houses were moved, but most of them, uh, everything was torn down. Now, also in nearby Massachusetts, we have the uh, Wachusett Reservoir, right on the outskirts of Worcester, and the huge Corbin Reservoir. In those two instances, there was a lot of moving of historical cemeteries. Was that part of the Situate uh, Reservoir program, too? Yes. Again, they didn't want anything left under the reservoir. They moved 1,500 graves. Uh, 1,080 of the graves went to a new cemetery they created called the Rockland Cemetery, right outside of Clayville. And um, uh, 500 other uh, uh, graves were moved to other locations. Maybe the uh, granddaughter wanted it moved closer to her or something like that. That was okay. But uh, I do go through the Rockland Cemetery with the tour. And there's a couple of places I stop and explain different stones and things like that. What are some of the names of the lost villages that uh, a younger generation wouldn't be familiar with? Uh, Fiskville or okay. something like that? Yeah, there were five villages. Uh, Rockland, Richmond, Ashland, South Situate, and Kent. Now, Kent, uh, just below Kent is where they built the dam, which was originally called the Kent Dam. Uh, in 1924, it was changed to the Joseph uh, um, Gaynor Dam, and the reason being is he was the mayor of Providence before the project began, right up through until after the project was completed. But uh, some of the old maps, uh, of course, show it as Rockland, uh, excuse me, Kent Dam, and uh, Situate people still know the dam as Kent Dam. Kent Dam, uh, Kent, the village of Kent uh, would be uh, 87 feet underwater. I got an email here from Ron from Providence, Rhode Island. He says, ask Ray, would he take plastic on that or is it cash only? I take credit cards over the phone. If you call me at 401-821-0016, uh, I can do that. I'll also say at this time, uh, yesterday I had a couple switch from my April 7th tour to my April 28th tour, which means I have two seats left on the April 7th tour. And I uh, increased the size of the bus on my April 28th tour because it had already sold out. So I now have an extra 10 seats on uh, my 10 o'clock, my 12 o'clock, my 2 o'clock, and my 4 o'clock tour. Have you been approached by uh, Bob Billington from the Rhode Island Tourism Association to do something in conjunction with the state level in the tourism for the state of Rhode Island? Or is this totally independent? Totally independent. Um, right now, I only do it in April. Uh, I was doing it four or five times a year. I've just got too much going on with writing all these books and the research I do and what have you. Uh, but I still get so many people that want to go. Uh, for example, I don't normally book the bus until January, and then I have a list of people to call because 
when I'm at my events, so people see my books and I show the bus that uh, I take. In fact, if you go on my website, www.raywolf with no e, books with an s, dot com slash tours, you'll see the buses that I use. I got an email uh, here. This year, I got an email uh, from Ani from Worcester, and he wants to know: Is the yeah. bus big enough to have a bathroom? Uh, this particular bus is not. Uh, the one that I was using, but they no longer have it, did have a bathroom. Okay. Uh, it's a 90-minute tour. You get to the uh, school a uh, half hour before that for boarding and orientation, so you're talking two hours. Okay. And um, I'm sorry to say there isn't on this bus. Okay, that was a valid question. Oh, good question. Now, a lot of elderly people who are prostrate or something like that would be, you know, thinking yep, about that. Absolutely, including me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now that's revealed over the air. I'll tell you, there's no secrets on WNRI. But uh, it, it's fantastic how this thing has grown. You know, the wheels are turning in my head on it. And I think this would be identical to, for someone to come up as an entrepreneur and do this in Woonsocket with the, the different sites we have here in Woonsocket. You know, history sites, apothecary places and stuff like that. And yep. it'd be a no-brand, even in Barville. Right in the center of Barville, Harrison Pasco, some of the foundations are still there. Historical tours. Yes. And it's really grown for you. How many years you've been doing this right? Uh, my first tour, let's see, the books came out in 2007, I believe uh, 2011 uh, was when I first did the first tour, and it sold out so fast, I, I did another one, another one, another one, another one, and uh, when I'm at uh, uh, bazaars and everything at Christmas time now, they see the bus I'm going to use, and they say, well, how do I, you know, sign up for it? And I said, well, here's a little slip of paper, just fill it out, and I will uh, call you when I book the bus. Now, uh, this year or last year um, in the November, I had so many people who wanted to book the bus, I'm saying, okay, wait a minute, whether I booked the bus in January or I booked the bus in November, it's still going to go in January, so why not? I booked the bus in November. It sold out. So then I put on April 28th, and that sold out in December. And I said, I, I can't believe this. I'm not going until April. And um, so I have just increased the size of the bus to give even more seats, and that's opened up uh, 10 feet on each tour. Another question I have on this is uh, you, you're better off if you can get the book in advance and go step by step with the 25 different sites in there. And like you say, you point out, turn to page so-and-so. What is the best is way correct. for these people to buy the book in advance? Do you have your own website? Yep, they can buy it on my website, www.raywolfbooks.com. And uh, go to uh, slash store, and that'll give you all my 25 books. If you click on a cover, it will give you a description of the book. You can call me at 401-821-0016, and I'll get the books out the same day you call. Curious. Go down the credit card right over the phone. Uh, you must be keeping the email list on all these people that are signing up pre-advance and stuff like that. Are you attracting people from Massachusetts, Connecticut, Maine, New Hampshire? Connecticut and Mass, yes. Uh, I've got uh, people from both Connecticut and Mass on my tours uh, coming up. And um, I don't know what the connection is, but uh, they enjoy it. And um, like I said, I've had many people take the tour twice. They enjoyed it so much. Yep. It's a fantastic idea. And, uh, boy, I'll tell you, you're thinking outside the box and it's working for you. Plus, you're making time to uh, keep producing the books. The How to House series, is that up to three books now? 
that that's three books, and believe it or not, Wayne, I've still got people telling me where they are. <laughs> if I get enough, they will be book four. You know, Roger here at the station got that Route 66 <laughs> book. 469 in Rhode Island. Outhouse books of Rhode Island. Uh, the Diners of Rhode Island was another hit. Uh, the Route 66 book you did when you took the trip with your motor home. Uh, you've got some yep. really good stuff. Uh, I don't know if you caught the show, the first part of the show today, and we had one of the most renowned poets in the country, uh, James Nicola, come on and did a blockbuster job on the show today. But you actually started with your writing part of it when you found your mom's poems and stuff that had been accumulated all those years. Am I correct in that? 1700. Yep, 1700. Uh, I found two uh, suitcases, the kind you put under a, a seat on a plane, uh, full of handwritten poems when she passed away and I was cleaning up the house. I knew she wrote a lot of poetry, but I didn't know she wrote 1700. And uh, one book I have out is called The Lost Village of Rockland, and that's all about her village. It's got 150 new pictures in it that's not in the first two. And um, uh, it has all her poetry about... Uh, her village being torn down, the mill where her dad worked, the store where she used to shop, her school and her church, uh, families moving away one at a time, many never to be seen again in her lifetime. Because back then you uh, communicated with postcards. So if I lost your address, it's almost like you were off the face of the earth. And um, uh, it, it's uh, extremely, it, it's a compa- uh, companion book to the first two books, The Central Reservoir and the Lost Villages. Sounds like a fantastic Christmas present. Good Christmas present idea or a birthday present idea for a person that loves poetry, especially local poetry, with that nice New England flavor to it. Yeah, great. everybody loves my mom's poems. I'll tell you, you're onto she something, right? Said, uh, she always said she could not write poetry like that. She only went to the eighth grade, but she felt she was God's instrument to hold the pen. She would put the pen to the paper and the ink would simply flow. Wow. And uh, she always said that. Well, she's looking down on you. I know that. (laughs) One of the books I put together uh, just a year or two ago is called Jesus, Her Friend. She loved Jesus, and she loved Elvis Presley. And I I did a book on Elvis also. But um, uh, it's just absolutely amazing, uh, the poetry. And uh, people, like I said, they just love her poetry. She tells it right from the heart. And uh, every one of her poems, if you will, uh, tells a story. Uh, it's not like roses are red and violet are blue. <laughs> yeah. Right. want to thank you very much for taking the time and come on the author's hour. I hope you fill up all your seats now. I'm sure you will. And get ready for next year. <laughs> I, and- I just want to say that I am home today. If anybody wants to call me, if you have any questions or anything like that, 821-0016-401 area code. And uh, be happy to answer your questions or take your reservations, whatever you'd like to do. And also a public thank you for being a great board member on the Association of Rhode Island Authors. I really love your input. Thank you, Wayne, for the opportunity to be on your show. Okay, Ray. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye now. That was Ray Wolf checking in with a fantastic good friend. Do you know we have a comic book company right here servicing the tri-state region in northern Rhode Island? Yes, we do. Uh, Green Dragon Comics with a new location, 1 Victory Highway in Chapacha, Rhode Island, right at the intersection of Route 100 and 102, right on the left-hand side of the bank, right there in the center of town. Uh, Wednesday through Friday, 12 to 8, Saturday and Sunday, 10 to 6, Green Dragon Comics. They sell comic books, board games, 
role-playing games, and the one that I got educated on the last three years already now is Magic the Gathering. They're putting another addition on because they do the single sealed events and the two-headed sealed events right there on the premises. Uh, you talk about another business-savvy female uh, entrepreneur, Green Dragon Comics on Facebook. Like it. Get on her list where you get the updates. She updates it almost every day. You can see her every year at Comic-Con. And uh, uh, this year, again, the first Saturday in May, they're going to participate in free comic book day. That's always the first Saturday of May. The manufacturers send out all the samples and uh, people can get into it and see what they've missed or get caught up on the world of comic books at Green Dragon Gifts and Green Dragon Comics. One Victory Highway, Chipachet. She'll be open at noontime, uh, Wednesday through Sunday, 401-949-2076. Turned out to be a very good show today. I had fun. I really did. And uh, there's another thing that's coming up that i got to talk to you about. Is we got some legislation down in uh, Smith Hill. And it's on our group, and we got the ACLU working with us on it now, too. And there's a little glitch in the sales tax program in the state of Rhode Island. So, uh, Representative uh, Arthur Cavese, Don Cavese, Democrat from North Providence, has introduced legislation, and I'd like to have you call or contact your state representative or your senator on H's and Harry 5158 to clarify that the law granting a sales tax exemption to works of art applies to fiction and nonfiction. That's waiting on the second hearing at the House Finance Committee. We all testified down there last year on it. It's just an oversight on that to get it right. Also, if you have a 2008 or newer car or truck and you got insulted on what they offered you at the dealership, with all these presidential sales, swing by Weston Hill Auto on Broncos Highway or give an Alan Hopkins a call. He's there right now. Gets out of bed about quarter of nine. 401-568-2324. And let's see if he can make a trade or give you a nice offer for your 2008 or newer car or truck. Right there at Weston Hill Auto. 401-568-2324. Next week, Julian Ayette is going to be right here. And uh, boy, that's going to be a, his fourth visit. And he's going to be talking about Code Name the Lily. Boy, his books get better. The deal is on this one. It looks like it's going to be in Hollywood and have its own movie. Thank you very much for tuning in today to the Author's Hour. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a special author or a book you'd like to have reviewed or on the air, Wayne, W-N-R-I, at yahoo.com. And remember tomorrow to have one of the best days of your life. Thank you to our fine sponsors, guests, and emailers at WayneWNRI at yahoo.com and for tuning in to the Author's Hour. Remember to shop locally and to read a book. And tomorrow, please have the best day of your life. Your host, Wayne G. Barber.